It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Doc Wesson, and in this episode of the Gun Nation, ATF to ban a popular AR round. Can you shoot a 45 Super in a 45 ACP 1911? And then we discuss guns and the family. All that and more in this episode of the Gun Nation. It all begins right now. We're back, and a lot of people snowed in, and we actually had snow and ice. We got a lot of sleep and uh, was off work today, which was a good thing because I have the flu. Uh, but, hey, because I got ragged so bad last time I was sick by Ian, <laughs> I'm here tonight. I was ready to call it. So if you didn't notice by that grunt, we have Ian McCollum with us, obviously, from ForgottenWeapons.com, who has been whoring himself out yet again. I, I uh, you know, I'm actually still having flashbacks and nightmares about the amount of snow that they have up in Maine. Yeah, well, mm. that's no, your that fault, was a, buddy. Yeah, that was not something <laughs> I was expecting or happy to see. Well, we're, we're going to want to hear about your little excursion to Maine a little bit. Anyway, we have uh, Grant, the hair kombucha drinking. You, do you wash your hair in kombucha? Is no, that part of the but I, I do bacterial. I want to point out at this juncture mm. that given the amount of whoring out that Ian's doing, I want to remind you that I'm loyal. So just remember that. <laughs> you mean this week. <laughs> yeah, I know you're – I've heard you on other shows. And, of course, <laughs> we have Paul the Blade Carlson with us as usual. There we go. Ah, what's doing, up, Paul? everybody? Mm-hmm. How are we doing tonight? Good to good to see see you. Good to hear you. <laughs> and we've got Melody Lauer Lima Tunes with us uh, back you. again. Yeah, yay! We had great uh, feedback on uh, Melody joining us. Oh, and that's we're, good. We're that's very happy yeah. about that. But uh, uh, Joe is not with us tonight. He had a had something he had to take care of for the family, and uh, we uh, are obviously miss him and want him back uh, as soon as possible. So hopefully next week. But uh, we uh, <clears throat> we've got our 
our our group and and as I mentioned when when we started up uh in our little window for connection is like wow it's getting crowded in here yes yes it is it is getting crowded but it's a good thing we've got a lot of good people here so anyway and this, Grant Cunningham yeah i have this image of this little small car and all of us dressing clown outfits piling out of the small car <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Well, let's get going before we take like we did last time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay. i tell you what. We're going to do just like one news thing this week because it's a biggie. And as you would guess, <clears throat> the B-A-T-F-E-L-M-N-O-P is proposing to ban common AR-15 ammo, which is specifically the M855, which is the green tip, the green tip ammo. If I'm not mistaken, that's what, 60? 60... <laughs> So 62, 62, grains? Things, yeah. 62 grains, and it's got like steel tip. Is that right? Correct. This was no. for, I don't know, maybe it still is, but it was for a long time uh, issue, mm. standard issue for our troops. I don't know if it is anymore, but uh, uh, it's really hopefully it's not. Time. It's kind of like the worst possible <laughs> ammo you could choose yeah, for your AR. Pretty much. <laughs> so it's it's a mess. It's yet again, and I think this obviously has come to light because it was kind of quasi slipped under the radar, so to speak, and. The pen and the phone thing happened, right? Or is happening? Maybe well, happening. It, it's it's hard to know exactly what the motivation. Well, actually, I think it's it's pretty clear what the motivation for them doing this is because I I think we definitely have an administration that has uh, made noises about doing things like this before, and. To give everybody kind of just a, a quick background, uh, years and years and years ago, the uh, Congress, uh, of course, passed uh, some laws that dealt with um, – at the time, they were called cop killer bullets. Everybody wanted to get rid of these cop killer bullets, so they drafted some legislation. And this is, I think, 1986, I think. Anyway, um, to I ban – I blame yeah, ST. Yeah. Um, they, they to, so they wanted to ban these this armor piercing ammunition uh, that could be fired out of handguns, and the whole big thing was that everybody was scared that the criminals were going to be walking around with pistols that could go through cops' vests. So they decided to ban uh, armor piercing ammo. So they came up with this law, and the law essentially says any ammunition that is which may be used in a handgun, and this is very important, may be used in a handgun. And then they had some construction uh, uh, requirements, some construction limitations about this. It wasn't based upon performance. In other words, nobody was going to test it to see if it actually went through a vest. They just said, okay, these types of bullets will go through vests. And so if they can be fired in a handgun, uh, you, you can't have them. Well, somebody decided to make an AK-47 pistol. It hadn't been done before. Somebody decided to make it. And Olympic arms. It was Olympic you know, I was going to mention, yeah. but okay, I, you can. Olympic arms. They decided to make an AK pistol, and at the time, we were importing tons of 7.62 by 39 steel-tipped ammo. I mean, it was just it was just the most common stuff. It was cheap, and people were just buying this and running it through their SKSs and AKs. And Olympic Arms made this AK pistol that would take that ammunition, and the ATF said, uh-oh, no, no, we have this law that says if it can be used in a handgun, which you now have a handgun that it can be used from, in, we can ban it. Uh, so they did. Well, fast forward to 2015, and the 62-grain uh, M855, or SS-109, which refers to the projectile, the uh, M855 
which has a steel penetrator in the bullet, comes under scrutiny. Why it's skated under the radar this long, who knows, because there have been AR-15 pistols for years. But all of a sudden, now the ATF says, you know, this stuff kind of fits the 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 uh, the definition well, that's in the law and we're not going to allow it anymore now now that we're so aware of all the pistols because everybody's been sending us letters about pistol braces exactly yeah um, yeah that might have been part of it just for completeness sake we should point out that a little while back the same thing happened with um 7n6 545 ammo as well yeah, in fact, I don't think that stuff was ever even allowed in in the United States. Uh, oh yeah, it in, was. Was it, it came okay. in in large numbers? Yeah, it was the cheap five four five surplus, and now it's unavailable. Okay. All right, same thing. Um, yep. AK seventy four pistols. Um, so here we are. Everybody's upset naturally because the M855 is fairly cheap on the surplus market because it's it's coming in from a lot of different countries. Um, and it, it's cheap. And so people are buying it and shooting it in their ARs. And now everybody's up in arms because the ATF says, no, you can't have that anymore. Yeah. Now let's be fair. I think a lot of the reason people are up in arms is partially because ATF has said they can't have something, anything. I mean, the right. could, if the ATF came out and said, we're going to ban stinky poo on a stick, people would get uh, upset and outraged about it. Especially I thought you were going to say kombucha there. Well, that's just scared. <laughs> What's that's how it's made. What's the age, age of the poo? Yeah. I need to know <laughs> before yeah, I the stink of it, too. The stink amount. Um, and the other thing is, I think a lot of people see the word AP or semi-AP and immediately decide that this must be something really good that they want to have because it must be particularly awesome because yeah. it's armor-piercing. When, in fact, it's really it's pretty mediocre ammo. I mean, one could argue that for example, the, the the guys fighting in Mogadishu, a lot of the problems they had with uh, limited lethality was because they were all using the 62-grain semi-AP that simply really doesn't create the kind of wound that a 55-grain or a 70, um, Seven, uh, 77, 77 yeah. uh, Mark 262 does. Yeah. In fact, the, the Mark 262 was largely developed because of problems that the Marines were having with these, the M855. Right. And and so they came up with the 77 grain using an open tip match bullet, and uh, it works very well. And so they pretty, from what I understand, pretty much start using the 855. So the uh, there are a lot of petitions online to try to get the ATF to change their mind, uh, some of them alleging all kinds of dubious readings of the law. Um, now, or, everyone knows that online petitions are the, the best way to get something to actually yes. change. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because sending it to the White House is really going to have an effect. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, really. The, uh, the, um, the ATF is hanging their hats on this steel penetrator that's in this bullet. It's and legit, frankly, from a legal point of view. From a legal point of view, it's, it's most likely legit. And I, I say most likely because, of course, there's uh, A, I am not a lawyer, and B, the one thing I have learned from lawyers is that it always depends. Uh, <laughs> Touche. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it, so they're, they're very upset about the steel penetrator, and they say that, that it violates the law because law says um, a projectile or projectile core, which may be used in a handgun and which is constructed entirely excluding the presence of traces of other substances from one 
or a combination of tungsten alloys, steel, iron, brass, bronze, beryllium, copper, or depleted uranium. Um, and so they say, well, the, 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 the penetrator, which is in this bullet, is the core, and it's made out of steel, so therefore it's not allowed. Um, the counter-argument that a lot of people in the firearms world are trying to make is that the steel penetrator is not the core. Uh, therefore, the, the core is not compo- constructed entirely of steel. Therefore, you can't ban this stuff. And the ATF is saying, we look at that. We see a core. It's made of steel. So that's that's pretty much where the divide is at this point. I well, think that's fairly accurate, right? Yeah. Let's look at um, – let's just throw something out here. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Exactly how many crimes have been committed with this ammunition? See, that doesn't factor into anything. No, and, it makes too much sense. See, and, and, and that's the – if we allow – and this is the problem that everybody in the industry is having because there are all kinds of sort of – tertiary arguments that people are making like, well, it's never been used in a crime. Well, it doesn't really penetrate armor. Well, you know, none of that matters to them because that's not what the law says. You know, Doc, frankly, if it was used in a crime, that wouldn't make it, you know, suitable to be banned either. No. Right. Exactly. Well, you know, there's a ton. Well, I I guess I hadn't bought any in a while because I stocked up, but uh, like 762.54R. Uh, you know, there's the, I forgot which, uh, not the Hungarian. What's the one? Okay. Resident historian. What's the one that's got the, uh, the silver over the yellow tip on 762 by 54? I believe silver and yellow is Russian heavy ball. Okay. And that's the, uh, 192 grain, right? Uh, I believe it's 198. Ooh, even better. <clears throat> is that still core? Offhand, I don't know. A lot of the Russian stuff is. Yeah, see? That's Just, what I'm trying to point out. Well, uh, frankly, so, and, and the reason they do it is not for armor penetration. It's because steel's cheaper than lead. Yeah. Yeah. It's not and, a hard – so the, it, true armor-piercing ammunition, at, at least in a rifle, needs to have really a hardened steel core. Because soft steel, while it will go through more than lead will, it's not what you want if the goal is to actually penetrate armor. Right. Now, however, there's no – there's no caveat in that in the framework of it right. of of the stating that so you know steel is steel and right. mild or not and so what are they going to do ban all that too I mean it's getting uh, well, well no because it's not handgun ammunition well yeah. now there are really not people out there making handguns in 54 rimmed correct. on a commercial basis not straight out right there's been right. some wildcat stuff happen with the Mosins <clears throat> but yes. So the the ATF thing is largely based on it being a commercial sale of, you know, some actual reasonable volume of sale of a commercial handgun. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Well, the, uh, and uh, again, I think it's important to remember here that the issue is not, everybody wants to get upset about the ATF. And yeah, I get that. I understand that. But we have to remember that the problem is with this stupid law that they're charged with interpreting and enforcing. And um, the the problem is this law that Congress passed. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it it would be great if we could get rid of that. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. you got to get rid of a lot of other people first. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah vote them out. So, so. but, you know, I, I think there may be, I suspect there's probably going to be a court case here. Mm. Um. And it's going to be, it'll, it will have the only, the, and again, I'm not a lawyer, but the only 
sort of avenue I can see to even challenge this is on the basis of how the bullet is constructed and and in what steps. And what I mean by that is if the the steel penetrator sits on top of a, a slug of, of lead in this bullet, and if... And it goes back to this discussion we had about how the polymer 80% lowers were made and in what right, in what steps. It would be the same thing. Is the bullet built around the penetrator and that the slug, the, the lead slug added and then the thing finished? Or does it start with the lead slug and the jacket goes around that and the penetrator is put in? And that would, that would, that would determine what the core is. Um, and that would determine where where the uh, where the law applies to this or doesn't apply. And it's I getting ridiculous. It, yeah, uh, Ian, do you see any other possible? <clears throat> uh, there may be some validity to the point that because it's not the entire the entire core is not steel. Um, it is part lead and part steel. That that might have some arguable impact, but yeah, I, I wouldn't <laughs> bet money on it. I don't yeah, know. and that's that's why I think it's it'll come down to the definition of core, mm-hmm. and because it just says core, it doesn't say what the core is, and so I, 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 in general, in when you're talking manufacturing, the core is the thing around which the thing is built, so it's going to have to determine. I think it will come down to whether the bullet is built from the base up or from the tip down, or if it was a Thursday and if the temperature was 100 degrees, <laughs> Who knows? below yeah. zero, and I mean, you know, come on. But yeah, that's ridiculous. How I keep, yeah, I know it. I know it. Yeah, the thing on the shoulder that goes up is exactly. It's it's silly. (laughs) These are the people that are making the laws. They have no clue. Yeah. Uh, Just in case anybody wants to see the framework, uh, the ATF framework for this, I will be posting it on our website. Uh, It's PDF, so you can go over and read that uh, jargon yourself if you'd like. Uh, So you know it. I guess it'll it'll be a while before it happens if it happens. Um, yeah, but you know, cheaper than dirt has already raised the price to basically. Yeah, gouging. I saw that. I'm still ticked <laughs> at them for yeah, yeah, cheaper oh, yeah. than dirt. They're back again, <laughs> folks. I can't even imagine yeah, them raising don't the price anymore. on that ammo. Yeah. Oh, I, just, I am shocked and dismayed. Yep. <sighs> I they did it with me back. You know what was it? A couple of years ago when they jumped on that bandwagon. Uh, the same time that, um, what was it that Dick, uh, not, yeah, Dick Sporting Good did. And, yeah. You remember? What was Oh, it? you mean the $100 P Mags? Yeah. So I guess I have a little bit of difficulty getting really outraged at Cheaper Than Dirt. Now, I know the, the first time around they did some things that were flat out unethical, like canceling people's existing orders or changing prices on orders that were already in. But just the idea that, that we should be outraged because they raise prices to some absolutely ludicrous degree, you know what? It's, it's a free market. You can put your price at whatever you want, and nobody's forcing anybody to actually buy anything from cheaper than dirt. Well, that's true. You can vote with your dollars. Uh, yeah. I mean, and well, which is what I've done. But I just don't like the fact that they take opportunity to gouge the way they do. It's, well, I think that the, the opposite part of that free market thing is that, yeah, they're free to charge what they want. And I certainly support that. I mean, you know, um, this isn't like bread and milk that's necessary for people's survival, but that the same token, we're free to, um, to make fun of them and chastise them for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But there are people who like take this as some giant ethical 
just slur against humanity. And I guess I that I don't really quite. Yeah, I don't get that either. I we're, love we're the not irony of the whole thing because when you look at their prices in general, mm-hmm. I mean, cheaper than sterling. Cool. <laughs> yeah, they're not. With that. I mean, cheaper than gold. Dust. gold? Yeah, gold dust. but cheaper you know, than dirt. It wasn't that long ago that they actually had, and maybe they still do have, a really good price on really good surplus 303. And that was absolutely worth it. Well, there you have it. There you have oh, it. Oh, well, boy. Um, yeah. But, well, <laughs> okay, you know what? Some of us do actually shoot more than just 223. <laughs> well, in any ammo that's a palindrome, you got to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> but it was funny. I, I publicized a while wow. back. Uh, that we just there. found our title for the show. <laughs> Palindromic ammo? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I like it. It has a ring. I'll leave a link to uh, the definition of palindrome. <laughs> <laughs> Let me write that down. <laughs> okay, Doc, you do that. So, so uh, yes, we realize, Ian, that you do uh, shoot more than two, two, three. I mean, the guy who was trying to buy 500 rounds of 8mm LaBelle. <laughs> I need more of it, too. I just bought another Berthier today. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <sighs> okay. So, anyway, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, let's get to some email. We won't do much. We get a lot of email now, so I unfortunately am not able to read it all. And uh, I try to respond to as many as I can. If we miss you, I'm, I'm, I apologize. Uh, we just can't get to it. <clears throat> we try to keep in mind uh, ones that are asking questions primarily to put them on um, uh, due to the nature of that. We do appreciate the, appreciate the comments, though. Um. Let's see. Ah, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, let me start with, uh, let's start this up. We'll start with this one. It's, uh, Brian, uh, Boulevard. And Brian, of course, is the, uh, host over at Modern Rifleman Radio. <clears throat> and he, he actually sent an email with MP3. It was r- relatively long. Um, I would play it, but we're just, we're, we're trying to keep our time down here. But, uh, basically he was wanting us to talk, I'll paraphrase, uh, had heard we were going to have the storage and safety, uh, at home with the kids and, uh, also, uh, mentioned, you know, the fact that Melody was going to be the one to, to take that. Well, guess what, folks? That's what she's going to do towards the end of the show today. Yay. Yay. So, yeah. Woohoo. So, uh, we're going to do that. I'll throw, I did listen to his MP3. I'll try to throw in his comments as time goes along. I just wanted to bring that up now instead for Jan because we're going to uh I just wanted to have that uh, thrown out there so that you don't quit listening to the podcast <laughs> prior to Melody coming on. <laughs> so anyway, I just want to throw that out. I did get one from Jerome uh and he's out in California is our buddy Jerome who's been on the show a few times. Uh, he, he this is a comment but it, it, it's sad question comment. Uh the family spent the weekend hi- weekend hiking at the Vasquez Rocks in Cal- in California. Vasquez Rocks, by the way, is a location often used by Hollywood to film television shows and movies. While walking along, a man stopped us and said that we should take an alternative path because he found a bullet and it might explode. (laughs) From his demeanor, (laughs) you would think he found a landmine (laughs) or at least a pissed off rattlesnake. (laughs) But a bullet? 
Uh, he explained. Hey, that one guy found the CO2 cartridge and thought it was a grenade or something. Yeah, I remember that. I do remember that. Uh, yes. I found some rubber bullets once, but I just rolled them up and stuffed them in my ears to use as hearing protection. <laughs> 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 Jerome goes on to say he explained to the men that the bullets, and he assumed at this point that he meant cartridge, uh, don't explode. Uh, he politely asked if he could see the bullet, and he showed it to him and uh, at the spot for which it was at. And it was marked with a plastic cup for safety. In other words, a flag. <clears throat> uh, what Jerome picked up was a badly corroded 223 blank cartridge, a crimp, <laughs> crimped case. And he told the man that it was safe and that it was probably used to film a movie at that location. He goes on to comment that funny but sad, where do these people get their information? Yeah, thanks in they regards don't. to everyone at the Gun Nation. And, uh, Jerome, we appreciate it. We Good to hear from you. and not heard from you in a while. Um, you know, <laughs> this Those is people kind don't of, have information. That's the point. I mean, the things – I think a lot of times people just, like, have this – they've heard just enough to get a stigma – Get the stigma of it, and then just the mysticism, I guess, to a certain degree. And uh, this is kind of a segue into into Melody's uh, segment a little bit, because you know a lot of times people will will keep things from their children, and then when they come in contact with it, I think it has more of a mysticism to it, and uh, it becomes you know more intriguing and more interesting than if you properly you know. Uh, inform them and uh, you know, explain to them and teach them uh, as you come up. But anyway, we'll get to that later. But uh, you know, what, what do you think, guys? Why and gal? Why do uh, what? What happens with the country? <laughs> you you know when when you started telling that story, there was a news story. I guess about two years ago now, maybe maybe a little more. Uh, that made all the rounds of of a lot of the shooting community about this guy in England that had just bought a house and he unearthed a handful of ammunition, you know, some 303. I think there was some 455 Webley in there and stuff. Basically just some stuff that whoever had lived there said, ah, I'm not going to shoot this anymore, bury it in the garden. And this guy was doing some gardening and dug this stuff up. And they evacuated the block around his house. <laughs> For this ammunition, <laughs> yeah, that they had dug up, and so as soon as you start talking this, I'm thinking, "Oh my God, we've become Great Britain." <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, really, it's, you it's know. funny you say that, Grant, because I think about the way our society is headed, and I think about Japan after World War II. You know, and I look at I look at how we're really emaciating our our society that we have of of a firearms culture. I mean, we're literally just cutting it out. For people to behave that way, it's ridiculous. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Uh, just a point of order. Nobody behaves that way in Arizona. <laughs> well, I'll, 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 bet you, I'll bet you we could find some places in Arizona where they behave that way. Be careful. I don't know. It's like saying we don't have people like that in Texas. Oh, go to Austin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I have a question then because, you know, you guys have much more knowledge going back way further um, into the history of guns. Is has there ever Ian. been a time when <laughs> ammunition was that volatile outside of like black powder magazines and stuff? No, no, I can't no? think of any. Okay. I like, do speaking... have some exploding bullets, but that's not really a yeah. That's now. not Ian's that's covered that ad nauseum. <laughs> <laughs> quite, quite frankly, yeah. um, <clears throat> photographic film prior to World War II was far more dangerous yeah. than any any cartridge ammunition that I can think of. Yeah. 
Yeah, the stuff's like coated in nitroglycerin, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's made of, the, the base is made of nitrocellulose. Yep. Yeah. Burns nicely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great stuff. And, and has a tendency to spontaneously combust. Ooh, exciting. Um, well, I think as interesting as it is, though, when you when you look if you're if you want to get uh, self punishment and you go to some of these anti gun Facebook groups and stuff, just to read the kind of interesting stuff they write, the kind of myths that fly through their conversation is like that. You know, oh, you touch bullets and they'll explode, and you know, I think a lot of I don't know where that comes from, but it definitely circulates just like. We have our own stupid myths, but I think uh, it mostly comes from New Jersey. <laughs> probably that's, that's probably a valid point. Yeah, um, you know, and you brought up you brought up the uh, black powder. Do you read where the the teacher? Where was it? Where was it? New at? Jersey. Yeah, Jersey. Fact. The teacher had the black powder. Was a hundred and some odd years old or whatever? Maybe three hundred. Who knows? Oh, this um, is a different story. It's like a flintlock. And, okay, it is. Oh, the yeah. Same story. Yeah. yeah. And he ended up, uh, I guess, being arrested. He's looking well, at like serious, serious long jail time because the law does not differentiate between old antique flintlocks and you know. So I mean, the, it's like <laughs> the moral of this story is: you do not give the New Jersey Highway Patrol permission to search your vehicle. Period. Ever. Why would you even think about doing that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, unfortunate there, but. Uh, well, yeah, we, I mean we, it's it's a bad thing. You've got a lot of ignorant individuals, uh, and, and to a certain degree, it becomes stupidity. And um, you know, we we made fun of the shoulder thing that goes up a little while ago. That's what you've got. I mean, there's, there's people out there that don't, you know, are they just not taking the time to educate themselves? They don't want the responsibility of educating themselves, or they I don't think, care, and they're just jumping on the bandwagon. If you if you're so scared of something. Um, you will not want to expose yourself to knowledge about that thing. And if you, if you think about it, and, and it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, it could be guns. It could be religion. Uh, religion. Yeah, it could, be, yeah. it could be anything. And if you're really scared of it, you won't take the time to expose yourself to it because, um, because of that fear. And I, I really think that is is the root of it. Well, I think people see that justification when they hear something so scary when they're already scared of it, they're kind of like, see, see, I have reason to be scared of it. Because exactly. Of it. Yeah. Well, my favorite uh, email for me over the weekend was a student that I had in class on Saturday who was fairly new to firearms. And the email that came back was, I can't wait to bring my yoga class to a class with you in the springtime when it's warm. And that's exactly what we need to have happen is, is have people that, that decide to break down the barriers of their ignorance, decide to learn about what it is that's happening, um, spread the word to other folks that are ignorant and afraid, and 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 just spread the word that this is not something to be terrified of. Yeah, you know there was an uh, I, I don't know if anybody saw the article that was that was going around social media here the last few days uh, about some uh, writer for I. Th- I don't remember some English paper, one of the English papers, uh, who actually had been in this country on a vacation and went shooting. And now his his article is full of all kinds of ridiculous half truths and you know all kinds of things about the United States and about shooting in general. But the the opening line was, "We have to admit that shooting is fun." 
He's, you know, here's a guy who's been afraid of guns uh, and goes out and somebody takes him out to the range. He says, it is a lot of fun to put a round in the chamber and pull the trigger and have a hole appear in the target. That is fun. He says, you just can't. I can see why Americans like guns so much because it's fun. But then, of course, he goes into a whole bunch of typical English uh, or, you know, British um Opposition to why people you know shouldn't shouldn't own guns, but even he had to admit, oh gosh, this is fun. Well, and we see that at industry day, what used to be media day at the range. You know, we see the the folks uh, from Japan, the airsoft media that comes from Japan, and they actually have a chance to shoot real firearms on mm-hmm. a live fire range, and those guys and gals are just absolutely thrilled with that experience because it's not something they can experience where they come from. And and yet here we as an industry in some ways are discouraging that, and I think that's a shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, and even going further, excuse me, just saying, head cough, sorry. Even going further, um, it's like there's uh, just an entire, you know, I guess group dedicated to be, you know, just ignorant and spread the ignorance on purpose. I mean, I've come across a lot of people. Like, like Melody was saying, on these, not necessarily forums, but on their own blog sites and posts. And it's like, they do not take the time, obviously, to get the truth, but it's just like spread it with such fervor that it's, it's just, you, you hear a person that in tuned with, oh my gosh, this is how it is. And I mean, we've even had this website uh, before, uh, because I started getting all these hits from, and I won't mention the website because I don't want people going to it. But uh, years ago, I, I, I did a, a show, and um, uh, the I got this hit, a bunch of hits from this website. So I had to go see what it was. I come to find out that I recognize who, you know, basically was the purveyor of the website, and 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 familiar with their leadings and rantings. And uh, but I, I thought, you know, let me let me just read what they've said. It had nothing to do with anything we said on the show or anything we've posted. But yet she's, they, they posted that it was, um, you know, all this stuff that we're looking because they'd heard we had quoted somebody and I had nothing to do with it at all. I mean, it just was absolutely incredible. And I thought, you know, wow. And these people are, I looked at the comments, you know, and, and they're just jumping on the bandwagon. They're just all, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And they didn't go hear it either because if you clearly listen to it, it had nothing to do with anything they were talking about. And uh, <clears throat> I, it's amazing to me that that's the kind of, you know, tripe that gets spread around. And no wonder people get confused on it until eventually, hopefully, they'll, you know, see the light and, and, and actually do their own. You know, don't don't follow the lemmings and and, and just you know, do their own, you know, uh, seeking of information on it and find out. I mean, look at look at Illinois. Uh, you know, blood was going to run in the streets. That was one of the big old holdouts for Illinois. Oh, guess what? Guess what? Now that they've got the uh, concealed carry, it's gone down. The crime rate's gone down. So, man, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, how do you deal with them? My grandmother was freaking out about that when Wisconsin got concealed carry. I mean, she was so afraid to even drive by a bar <laughs> at night because she thought that all the drunk people would be shooting at each other. And that she would get hit just driving by a bar in Wisconsin after they got concealed carry. I mean, that, that was the extent of her paranoia. Don't they dr- serve milk at bars in Wisconsin? I mean, she's fine. Yeah. Oh, my mistake. Jeez. 
cheese bar. Yeah. Well, at least we know that Melody's kids and Paul's kids will be raised. Doc's kids. Properly. Doc's, ca- Doc's kid. kid. Yeah. Yeah. So. How about, uh, I don't have any kids. You got, you I've got rabbits. I got rabbits and cats. You got rabbits. Does that count? Yeah, sure. Um, so anyway, uh, that was interesting. I, I did want to bring that up for obvious reasons. Uh, here's another email from Joe Hansen. Oh, brother. <laughs> Let Go me ahead, just get Doc. down to the crux of it. Do any of you have any experience with 450 SMC and 45 Super? Sounds like a uh, possibility that the 45 1911 and others might be able to handle these cartridges with possibly changing springs out in a fully supported barrel. Uh, 45 Super, 45, no, yeah. 450 yeah. SMC. Go ahead, Ian. You have to get a Mars. 1911 won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the, these bullets are obviously um, a bit more powerful. Uh, there was right. another one that was brought out in forty-five. What was it? Uh, oh, there have been a bunch of them. This whole thing kind of, well, it actually goes way back. But in in terms of hot rotted forty-five rounds that would fit in a nineteen eleven frame, there was of course the four fifty-one Detonics Magnum, mm-hmm. which I have some personal experience with. Um, there was the 460 Roland. The, yes, the, the Roland's the one I'm familiar the with. 450 mm-hmm. SMC. The, the uh, yeah, a whole bunch of these things, and uh, all the the whole idea behind these things is to hot rod the 1911. Mm-hmm. That's the whole idea is to get a 45 caliber slug traveling faster, a 230 grain traveling faster than the 850 nominal feet per second that it goes and all of them have had have succeeded to a certain degree the uh, like i said i do have some experience with 451 detonics magnum um and one of the reasons that it didn't succeed aside from the fact that it was just really nasty to shoot especially out of a combat master which is the little three and a half inch barrel nano sized 45 that they had Nasty gun to shoot in 451 Detonics Magnum, and uh, it just it just tore guns to pieces. Even mm-hmm. the specially built ones that that was a real problem. So he's he's asking basically he wants a hunting cartridge, an yes. auto loader hunting cartridge, and you know uh, asking about the 450 SMC. Um, I personally would recommend buying a 10 millimeter. Uh-huh. Realistically, the the ten millimeter has greater sectional density. You'll get better penetration out of the ten because of the greater sectional density. And penetration is always an issue with a with a forty five caliber bullet, even at the um, elevated velocities that you get with these hot rodded cartridges. So, if he's serious about Hunting with an auto-loading handgun, I really think 10 millimeters is the way to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, you I know, the, the 45 Super, they're touted, though, are they not? The 450 SMC, too? Aren't they touted? Hey, slam this in your existing, ni- well, not just 1911, I guess, but aren't they touted that way? Oh, you've got your um, gun already. Just you know, They've, they've got a lot of caveats and, and things about it. Um, it has to be rated for plus P and all, you know, all this other sort of thing. And even the Detonics guns that I played with, uh, which were actually specially prepared for the 451 Magnum, yeah. um, had just all kinds of issues with the things. Um, well, it's, not, it's not made for it. I mean, you know, it's just not made for yeah. it. it. Tears up the swinging links. It 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 breaks slide uh, stop pins or whatever you call those things. Um, 
breaks those, just all kinds of issues. Well, it, say somebody just said, okay, I want to do it anyway and go hunting with it. So they're not planning on shooting, you know, a hundred rounds through it. Uh, it maybe shoot a, a few and then, you know, go out with a, mag- a compliment in the magazine and, you know, hunt with it. If you really want a hot rotted 45, go buy a Wildy Magnum in 45 Winchester Magnum. Or a revolver. Or, or, yeah, go out and pick yourself up a Dan Wesson in 445 Super Mag. All right, just go buy it. Trust me on this one. <laughs> Wonderful well, cartridge. Let me throw this out there. I mean, if you're really looking for performance in the 45 caliber, why not go with 45 Gap? <laughs> Paul? Yeah. Go with the mute this, Paul. Oh, I think he oh, just sits around waiting sorry. for the comic relief there. Yeah, I, I, I mean, so, yeah, so, I just I had to throw you. that in there. Yeah, it was good. So, it was, it was yeah, a good time. Good timing. That. Excellent timing. Well, I so, think that, I, I think what you're saying, the 10 millimeters way to go on that for sure. I mean, that right there really has got to be, if you want to get a good, uh, semi auto, it's got a lot of, well, like you say with the magazines, you can stuff it, but <clears throat> semi auto way to go. That's that 10 millimeters. Uh, really good. It's got good ballistics. Uh, they're good or, guns too. They or handle buy it. The, the Wildy and 45 Winchester Magnum. Go yeah, buy it. It's a little easier to get the 10 mil though. Yeah, just a little, a little easier. Uh, but the wheel is really, really cool. I'll bet I like, you Ian doesn't I like the off it. thing, though. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, by the way, I, I since Doc isn't going to mention it, I, I have to say. <laughs> no. Along with his email. Mute him. Let me mute him. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Doc. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Fine. Um Anyway, so uh, Joe had a picture of his kombucha brewing operation oh. in his house. He has two uh, um, jars of kombucha brewing on his counter. And he says, first of all, Grant, this is the way I like my kombucha. And talking about brewing it. And he says, and I quote, uh, it is very tasty. And, Doc, you do not know what you're missing. So well, there you go. Yeah. Doc, I have to admit. I have to admit being a little skeptical of any drink that you brew yourself that doesn't end up significantly alcoholic. Yeah. Actually, this, this ends up with alcohol in it. Um, no, if you no not the kind um, we're talking about. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like that near beer. <laughs> near tea. Um, he, he, meant, he failed to mention uh, the one on the right is brewed completely with floating SCOBY. Do you know what SCOBY is? Oh, yes. Symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. Mm, mm. Also known as marmite. Not in a patty, baby. Ugh. Well, you, you, you like sourdough pancakes, don't not you? What do you like think sourdough? The, oh, my gosh. Just, I want to vomit looking at that. <laughs> I'm serious. It's Have you ever been to a cheese factory, like dog? Phlegm. Do you uh, Do you like blue cheese? I do, do but. Like- Okay, I mean you're eating but only, mold, Doc. only because he's never seen it being made, right? Oh, and, that's and only in it. France because of Sully Surf. <laughs> I mean, come on! If you buy you buy Swiss cheese, Doc. Do you know what Swiss cheese is? You know where the holes come from? Uh, the cheese is farting, Doc. Yeah, <laughs> it's farting cheese. Now we right? I'm write that one down. That may be the next title. <laughs> hey, I had the title. You said me first. Well, we'll put it slash. <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, anyway, uh, so you know, I think didn't you have Paul uh, an email or a yeah, you know, I had, a, I had a or I had a great email, um, and I won't I won't go into it. It was a fairly long email and turned into a quite a string with with Josh Joshua and. Uh, um, first of all, he had some feedback on a podcast I did with William April at Safety Solutions Academy. Once again, uh, podcast. once again, plug, 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 oh, pouring myself I'm out. Loyal, doc. I'm loyal on my own <laughs> podcast that you know I haven't done anything with in I don't know how long. But yeah. uh, so if you want to check that out, you know you can subscribe on iTunes, all that good stuff. But uh, you know he he mentioned the fact that at some point in time. Um, you know, the gun nation might want to think about some, some charity, um, and, and thinking about motivating our audience in some way to, to try and help out. And, and I thought it was a great idea. So I thought I might bring that forward and kind of toss ideas around. I don't know if anybody has any favorite charities, you know, those, those of us that are hosts of the show. If you do, feel free to toss them out there. Um, and, and listeners, what I would encourage you to do is uh, maybe let us know what your favorite charities might be that we might kind of get something going with. And believe me, it's going to be worth it. So, you know, send in an email. Let us know. Doc, do you have anything that you uh, you like to, to give to or want to throw out there? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> grassroots North Carolina. Mm. What's uh, what's up with grassroots, grassroots North Carolina? They, they, they are the premier uh, you know group in North Carolina that uh, – Helps us move our calls along. They were oh, right very on. instrumental in, in, uh, helping Alan Gura, uh, uh, you know, move forward where we can actually carry, uh, firearms on school campuses now. And, uh, you know, obviously we can't go into the school with them, but now we don't have to like go home, drop the gun off, turn around, come back and like. So, uh, they do a lot of good for North Carolina. A lot of good. Uh, Paul Vallone, the president, we've had him on the show before. Uh, we appreciate them considerably. So yeah, that's, that's who I like. That's great. And I really loved Alan Garan Mash. I thought he was fabulous. Oh my so, gosh. Um, <laughs> you All know, right. There's the third of, one. <laughs> speaking of state organizations in Ohio with Buckeye Firearms Association, you know, we mm-hmm. do, they do awesome stuff in Ohio and they're, and they're an organization that has a, a big national following as well. And uh, Second Amendment Foundation would be another great cause. So, you know, anybody else want to throw anything out there, you know, chime on in. Um, And listeners, if you've got an idea for where it is that we might motivate uh, our audience to help and support, I mean, I encourage you to to email Gun Nation. What address do you want folks to send that to, Doc? Hmm. How about charity? Ooh. At gunnation.us. We have a new email address yes. all of a sudden created right here, right now. Just as fast on the air. as that. Oh, my goodness. Charity. Yeah, charity yeah. at gunnationpodcast.us. Gunnation.us. Gunnation, gunnation.us. There you go. With Love it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for that, Doc. I appreciate it. And, and uh, Joshua, thanks for the fabulous email. And yes, I do have a revolver to loan you, so come. Awesome. All right. Uh let's see here. Um look, Ian, you went to uh you went to Maine, right? I did. You, yeah. You saw white things, white stuff. I don't know what it was. There's some sort of what horrible pollution falling cold. out of the sky up there. Uh-huh. It stacks up on the ground and <laughs> they appear not even to know what to do with it. Other than whoring on other podcasts, what were you doing? Uh, again up there? I was spending a week up at the James Julia auction house. Oh, do tell, sir. So, do tell. Did you get to see some good stuff? Uh, a couple things. You know, mm-hmm. one, or, one or two things. Um, I discovered that 
believe it or not, Elmer Keith actually had pretty good taste in guns. Mm-hmm. I know that'll probably come as a surprise to a lot of people. But uh, wow. yeah, we got to play with some of his stuff. Um, the la- They're auctioning off, I think, about the last bit of Jeffrey Sturgis' collection. Uh-huh. Uh, he is known for having a just mind-blowing collection of early automatic pistols. So mm-hmm. I got to take a look at a couple things there. Uh, a couple Mars pistols. Um, uh, a whole bunch of, of prototype 45s, actually. Mm-hmm. That were pretty interesting to see, um, and of course, I, I did take the chance while I was there to to go put a few rounds through Elmer Keith's carry pistol. That was neat. Yeah, that something everybody right. can do. You <laughs> <laughs> felt like going to shoot Elmer Keith's pistols. I, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, Grant, have you ever shot one of uh, Elmer Keith's pistols or no? No, no, Paul, I I haven't. Have you? Nope. I have vicariously through no. Ian McCollum of so, weapons.com. Apparently, Gun you, Nation fan. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's another podcast, isn't it? Apparently, if you whore yourself out enough, you get to do that, Paul. Ooh, I'll think about that. <laughs> See, then this is why I'll never get to shoot one, Paul, because I'm loyal. Mm-hmm. I believe it's the same podcast that Grant went on. Well, now, actually, I, I think it was the issue is that I was able to do that because I didn't depend on Doc to provide it for me. <laughs> Ooh! Wow! <laughs> uh, all right. So we've dropped a, a co-host, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're now down to. Uh, I will say one cool thing is I kept the brass out of Keith's pistol, mm-hmm. and uh, I am getting it engraved actually with a copy oh, of wow. his signature by um, Simpson Limited, and we're going to be giving away a bunch of that. Oh, very nice! No kidding. So, I yeah. want one. Yeah, I want uh, one. <laughs> well, I haven't decided I exactly how we're. <laughs> well, I've decided yeah. I want one. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I don't Keith. know exactly how yet, but it'll be part of the video series that I'm putting up starting next week. Right. So very good, very good. Can't wait to see that because big fan of Elmer Keith. Hey, do you have any of his literature? Do I? You do you have any of his literature? Any of his yes. books? Yeah, I have a copy of Six Guns. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, Hell, I, I was, was there. I like that one. Hell, I was there. When yeah. killing a man, the way he starts stuff off. When shooting a ram at 700 yards with a four-inch 44 special. I mean, the guy's just, he was phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, yep. obviously, if you don't know who Elmer Keith is, you need to Google that really fast. But he's he's pretty much the father of the 44 mag, I guess, and the 357 yeah. mag, so... Yep, especially the 44. Yep, especially the 44. For sure. it, I, it sounds like, I mean, basically the story is he just harangued the entire gun industry for about 30 years until they finally got, got sick of it, of it and, yeah. and agreed to make it so that he'd shut up. And boy, was it ever a good thing. <laughs> you know, actually, here's the other really cool thing that they had, and this isn't for sale. Uh, I don't know exactly where, but I think they're planning on donating it to a museum. Elmer Keith's entire career started with a letter he wrote to American riflemen asking about he'd been trying to hot rod his 45 Colt single action army and started loading um 458 caliber uh 4570 bullets in it with oh. like as much powder as he could stuff into the case <laughs> and and weirdly on the 4th of July one day when he was shooting some celebratory rounds uh it blew up and just sheared the cylinder in half and so he wrote to American riflemen asking about various things about about that incident and mm. why it might happen what he could do to fix it well while they were going through his his personal effects they actually found the remains of that cylinder i saw that and uh, it still got a piece of balloon head 45 colt brass still half stuck yeah in it. stuck in there oh, uh, that was pretty cool to be able to take a look at you know, that's 
that's a chunk of history. Right Show there. is big chunk of gun history for sure. American, yeah, lore as well. So, and you well, know what it tells you? It tells you that even the the most successful people start out being kind of stupid and not knowing anything special. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> cutting it. <clears throat> um, anyway, yeah, man, he's. Doc's harsh tonight. I told you, I got he the really flu. Is. I'm not feeling it. I'm just wow. doesn't feel you know. Like, no. let and I and I'm let loyal, and he still does this to me. Well, yes. maybe that should tell you something. Maybe. Well, anyway, should. it was the handgun radio podcast, and uh, which is, I did. Grant's I did. been on. Joe's Joe Joe. Yeah, Joe was on it recently, and then uh, Paul was on there uh, twice. Ian, Ian's on there. God, you guys. It was kind of cool. I actually got to meet Ryan Mashad from uh, Handgun Radio yeah, while we were yeah. up there. He's I've a been cool on guy. too. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like Ryan. He's a good guy. Yeah, he lives. He's, he's up in that area in Maine. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Well, excellent. Yeah. We'll uh, look for that video. And, yes, uh, full thirty and anxiously. YouTube and Forgotten Weapons. There's going to be. I have a series of twenty-two videos that I filmed there mm. that we will be publishing Ooh. every day for a couple of weeks. Oh, so. nice. So we yes. just like hit it every day. Oh yeah, and Grant some... can sit down with his kombucha every day and go watch some in yep. column today. Yeah, Julia has an auction coming up on the sixteenth and fifteenth and sixteenth of March. Very so good. we're doing video leading up to that. Ooh, nice. So Very which nice. should not detract from the Rock Island auction, which is this coming weekend. Mm-hmm. Which there's some very cool stuff there too. And if you haven't seen Ian's videos, he and Carl uh, over at Full Thirty, they are spectacular. I mean, they most, really are. It's a very high quality video. Uh, they look like professionals, even though they're not. I mean, uh, and, <laughs> I say uh, we are professionals, even though we don't look like it. Right. Okay. That's it. Yeah. I got it backwards. The, the um, most recent one, in fact, is us uh, doing some testing on a Cav Arms polymer AR lower, mm. which culminated in putting uh, four bullets through it and then seeing if it would still work. Oh, awesome. So, yeah. We blew some <laughs> chunks out of it and uh, no big deal. <laughs> Uh, not for that thing. Nope. No. Nope. It's pretty cool. Awesome. It, it took some abuse that would have completely incapacitated an aluminum AR lower and ah. just kept right on chugging. Well, I have to say mm. my favorite is still the exploding ammunition. That is definitely. That the is absolutely by far yeah. my favorite. Uh, yeah. I still. Don't tell them in New Jersey that that stuff. No, exists. no. <laughs> it's the real exploding ammunition. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the, uh, <clears throat> that's my favorite. And I still uh, will. Get people to go to that. And typically when they see that one, they're hooked. Yeah. They're absolutely hooked on it. So, Oh, excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's go to the topic. And uh, our our lady of the show, uh, Melody. Yes, yes. Wake up. Uh, (laughs) You guys just had to wake me up from my beauty sleep. Oh, yes. I'm sure you don't need it. Now, Grant, on the other hand, (laughs) I did want to say that – Last you can't win, Grant. <laughs> last see what week, being loyal does. For last you. week, last week, uh, we had uh, Joe had recommended uh, that we have a show. He said, "Hey, I've got an idea. Why don't we have Melody talk about you know firearms in the home with children and you know the safety and storage and all that stuff?" And uh, what a great idea we thought. So, uh, I guess what are your First off, let's let's identify some problems. What would be some problems that uh, we would have in the home uh, with children? You know, and and you you're carrying every day, or you like to hunt, you like to shoot. You have one gun, multiple guns. What what are some 
identifiable problems that would be? Uh, I would say one of the biggest identifiable problems is that people underestimate kids. Hmm. Uh, number one, top of the line. Uh, I just recently got involved in a, um, a mother group, a mothers who carry guns group. And I am quite astonished, really, by how many people do not believe uh, that a child as young as two years old can pull a trigger. And um, so after, I'm sure you guys all heard of the Idaho mom who was killed in Walmart uh, with her own gun. And so a big, long discussion got kind of born out of that. And so many of these people were saying, I don't believe it because I don't think my two-year-old could pull a trigger. <clears throat> so I started kind of researching around. I'm thinking there's got to be some science on this. And sure enough, babies straight out of the womb as a defense mechanism can support their own body weight with their grip strength. It's just a grip reflex. And you think your average baby is eight pounds. Well, What's the average trigger pull? Five pounds. So right from the womb, pretty much, kids are strong enough, point blank, to to manipulate triggers. Now, do they have the dexterity to manipulate triggers? Probably not. But at the time, that doesn't make it okay to kind of underestimate guns and kids and that, that mixture. Um, I actually did an interesting little study <clears throat> with my own children, um, Probably shouldn't be talking about this on the air. But um, <laughs> let's just say that even children as young as eight months old um, can do some very interesting things with um, dummy firearms. And the thing is, the other thing that gets kind of forgotten is that kids don't, especially really young kids, do not look at guns the same way that we do. We think of guns as, well, you grab them by the grip and you pull the trigger. So when people are thinking, well, my kid doesn't have the dexterity to pull the trigger, they're thinking of a trigger finger. They're not thinking about your kid's toes. They're not thinking about your kid's thumbs as they point it towards themselves. And uh, I was in, in all my research, I was see, seeing that 80% of unintentional deaths of kids with firearms under the age of 14 years old are due to um, due to unsafe storage in the home. So one, we're underestimating our kids, and two, we're just not storing them properly, and that's our fault. You know, we're putting them on shelves and thinking they're okay, or we're putting them in drawers and thinking they're okay, and we're underestimating those kids, and those kids are finding them. Um, I'll ask Paul to jump in at any time too, because he has kids too. Um, you know, what, what would you say? Would you think that's true? Yeah, I think we definitely have to make sure that we don't underestimate our kids. And we also have to make sure we don't overestimate our kids. I think a lot of parents rely on the idea that, no, my kids, I, I taught them about gun safety. <laughs> you know, my four-year-old knows about gun safety. They can even say the rules. Well, that doesn't mean that they necessarily understand from a cognitive standpoint what the consequences of not following those rules are. Your, your four-year-old could also say, I know I'm only allowed to have one cookie after dinner. And if yeah. you leave a dozen cookies on the counter, they're not going to have one cookie. That's, that's just human nature when you're four years old. You don't have the self-control that an adult has. And we, we underestimate our kids, as you mentioned, and then we overestimate. And it's those things that really lead to the to the major problems. And that's a really good point because 
I, and I'm, I'm writing an article that hopefully will end up getting published like in an actual magazine here soon about uh, the title of it is the way, the ways our children shoot our, shoot themselves is just the title of it. And, um, what I did was I took trainer guns, trainer and dummy guns, and I basically left them in places where my kids could find them and just basically watched their reactions to what they did. Now, of course, I have an eight-month-old, and he had no concept whatsoever of what this was. It was just something to chew on and pound on. My three-year-old, on the other hand, she knew exactly what it was, and she, even though we're working with her with the with the rules of safe gun handling, this was this was fun. This was far more. In fact, the first words she said when she saw the gun, the toy gun, was a gun for me. I mean, <laughs> she was so excited about it. My six year old, on the other hand, was much more reserved. He was very surprised to come across a gun because. It, it was left in a place where we would not normally leave guns. And he did the rules as he was supposed to. He came and he got me. Uh, he told me that there that he had found a gun. And I went with him as he showed me where the gun was. And then when I didn't respond, when I didn't go and intervene, I just stood back and I watched you could see him thinking, really see him thinking. He's looking at me. He's looking at the gun. He's looking at me. He's looking at the gun. And he just reaches down and, t- and picks it up. And I said, what are you doing? And he goes, well, I need to move it. And I thought that was really interesting. And I got to talking to Kathy Jackson about it. Of course, we all know who Kathy Jackson is from um, Cornered uh, Cat. And she thought that was very interesting because he followed the script but once he got to the end of the script, he had no further script to go on. You know, he came and he got his mom. Everything, you know, he did everything he was supposed to do. But when there was no one there, you know, when no one did anything, he was kind of like, well, now I guess I just get to make it up as I go along. And his way of making it up was to do what he was not supposed to do, which was touch it. So that was that was kind of an interesting little segue into sometimes uh, you know what happens if there's not an adult there what if your your kid and another kid are out and they find a gun um you know have you given them instructions past just don't touch it find an adult because what if there's no adult to find so um i think the Eddie Eagle program was pretty good for that as far as you know stop don't touch it leave the area tell an adult I think that's a, a pretty good. And I think those are the rules that you were talking about before. Is that right, Melody? When you when yeah. you taught your children the rules, you're not necessarily talking about firearm safety rules that someone might learn if they went to a defensive firearm class. But those ideas of teaching your children stop, yes. don't touch, leave the area, tell an adult, and that's mm-hmm. one of the first places I started with teaching my children before they ever were shooting firearms. And and my kids started shooting both of them at three years old. I know that makes me some kind of uh, you know, devil worshiper and all kinds of other things and ammunition explodes on its own. Um you know, that's that's where we began with things. But even though I taught my children those things, the guns are locked up, inaccessible, not only to my children but also to other users that aren't authorized, whether it's the plumber that comes to fix the house, yes. yep. the uh, the landscaper that wants to use my, quote, use my bathroom to steal my prescription medication. Mm-hmm. And those of you that are landscapers out there, I, I'm not saying all of you, but just, you know, the example. Um, the guns need to be locked up for all kinds of reasons. 
and especially for my children's safety. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was a perfect segue into the next part is like you said, you, you start out on that very young age of telling them to stop, don't touch it, leave the area, tell an adult. And then in there, you start building those four rules of gun safety. You know, it, when we are touching guns, we point them in a safe direction. We treat all guns as though they are loaded. You know, you start building those four rules of gun safety because my my six-year-old, he's shot um, lots of guns by now. I mean, he started shooting when he was three or four years old too. So I'm with you on the um, evil person thing. And I'm right. even more evil because I actually let my kids play with toy guns too. <gasps> uh, so that makes me a monster in and of itself. <laughs> But going past that, like you said, in the storage, even I'm not going to trust the life of me, <laughs> my own life, or the life of my children on the rules that I taught my three-year-old. I'm sorry. I'm just not. Uh, she's not. She doesn't understand that if she breaks those rules, she could kill someone. She has no concept of that. And why would I trust her yeah, rules? She doesn't like get that? what kill means. Exactly. And that's what we forget about. These kids don't understand the concept of kill. Yeah, and like you said, you tell them don't touch the cookie, they touch the cookie. You know, it, yeah. it, it's, it's the same way when you tell them don't touch the gun. You're not going to all of a sudden trust them with that entirely. So that's um, – as far as storage, we like you said, we both underestimate and overestimate. And then we put a gun in a drawer and call it good when personally I think if you've got kids in the home, your safest place for your gun is on your body. Because I have yet, I, and I looked, I actually was looking as hard as I could to find a single instance where a child took a gun off of a person and either shot themselves or the adult with that gun. The only case I even remotely found was where the mother said that happened, but the child said that he found the gun on a table. So there was a discrepancy, but there, but there was the only single instance where I heard of that. So I think the best place for a gun to be is on body. Yeah. I, um, I did want to bring up too. And, and Paul, you, you had a, a good point, like with other people, <clears throat> children, as they start to get older, have their friends and they'll come over mm -hmm. as well. And where you've, you know, instructed your child, that doesn't mean that the parents of their friends have been instructed well. And so, you know, they come over and see, potentially see a firearm. That's, uh, Doc, you're right on the money there. I yeah. had this conversation yesterday with some folks in a course, and I had a father and son taking the course, 23-year-old son, you know, older father, and there were other children in the home. And, and the 23-year-old son was doing such a good job. He was clearly a responsible individual, clearly, you know, a, a, a good man. And I'm sure that the, the 20 year old and the 17 year old were great as well. Yeah. But that's exactly the point I brought up. What about the friend that comes over to the house? Mm -hmm. What about that individual's judgment? What about their training? What about their understanding? It's just not worth it. And and you can say, well, you know, no, I always hid my Christmas presents for the kids here, and they never found them. Baloney. So, yeah. The kids found the Christmas presents. They just didn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. We've got can to I, do more than just hide the guns. Go for yes. it, Grant. Can I, now, keep in mind, I don't have kids, so uh, this is a, a question that, that came up when you were talking about the kids' friends. And I don't know if either of your children are old enough yet that this is an issue, but do you talk to them about not saying anything about the guns in the house around their friends because you don't know who their friends are or who their friends' parents are point. or, or anything talk. else? Do you talk about that? 
We've tried. Um, we have told our kids that talking about guns is the same as talking about going to the bathroom. It's private. <laughs> you just, you're not great. To do it. I like it. But at the same time, you'll all of a sudden be overhearing your four-year-old and they're talking about their penises. So, I mean, you know, it's one of those. I bet this, I will go down saying this is probably penises. the first time a female has said penis on a gun <laughs> podcast. Ever awesome? Yes, we're well, I, we're I pioneers here. Moment. Okay, so go ahead. <laughs> no, but so we we've tried. We've we really have tried, but it's one of those things where we've kind of also prepared ourselves for the eventuality that it may happen. And a lot of times, especially when my kids are really really young, I've played it off as though, um, for instance, we were in a bathroom and my three-year-old is going, mommy, mommy, is that your gun? Is that your gun? I like your gun, mommy. And I'm going, quiet. Shh, you know, you know. I'm trying to shush her. <laughs> and she's going on and on and on about my gun. So finally I went, oh, you see a gun? You see a gun? Where do you see a gun? So I made it sound like this was in her imagination. So that way, if anyone was overhearing, they're kind of like, oh, this is just Kid mom talking yeah. to her child instead of, you know, so I kind of was playing it off that way. And I found that to be a pretty good tactic if they start going on about them in public and then and then diverting them to something else. Well, what does this look like? Oh, that looks like a bunny rabbit, you know, and steering them away from that conversation. Yeah. It's it's funny, Melody, because we had a, an experience um, in the past couple of years anyways. Our, our house was struck by lightning. I was home with my two daughters who were, I don't know, three and, and five at the time, we'll call it. And so we were in a tornado warning. We're down inside my steel door enclosed concrete ceiling cinder block walled gun room. I mean, that's what we called it, right? And and the lightning struck the house. And so now we've got a situation where we've got to evacuate the house in a tornado warning. It's really confusing for the kids, but it was an exciting story. So we run across the, the street, go to the neighbors. Everybody's fine. The house wasn't damaged too badly, but there was a small fire. They're telling the story later on. And I remember my five-year-old saying, well, we were downstairs and we were in the, and there was that long pause. <laughs> yeah. And she turned and she looked at me. And she knew that she couldn't say gun. She knew that it wasn't the right thing to say because she, she wasn't sure about the status of the person she was talking to. And I said, the seller. And it was a, it was a, an error on my part as a parent to not have thought about this situation. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know what a seller is. And she says, we were in the celery. And she continued <laughs> to tell the story. And, you know, you just sometimes have to roll with it. Yeah. And and understand the concept. The big idea that I wanted to share with my kids was we don't talk about guns with other people. Why? Because uh -huh. we don't talk about guns with other people. They're not going to understand the political aspects of it, the all of the things that go along with it. And we do our best. And then when it doesn't work out perfectly, yes, we were in the celery. It's going to be fine. Go with it and have a good time. <laughs> well, and, and to be quite honest with you, because our son is so – he is – he knows no no and or not no enemies. He knows no enemies either. He knows no strangers. He will walk up to anyone and be like, "Hi, I my name is such and such, and I like this." And so, his favorite video game right now is Halo. And of course, there's tons and tons and tons of guns. And how Halo. old is he again? He's six. Halo. So, yeah, he loves it. So he talks Master about. Chief. 
He talks about blowing up aliens all the time. In fact, we can't get him to stop talking about blowing up aliens. So, you know, he, he starts talking about those things. And even when he went to school, I actually sat down with his teacher and I said, listen, I said, we're a, we're a gun family. I said, I'm a firearms instructor. My husband's a firearms instructor. Don't be surprised if our kid talks about guns. And if that's a problem for you, then this isn't the school for him. And she just kind of went, oh, well, no, that's not a problem because we're a hunting community. And I said, okay, then we're good. I just needed to kind of preempt that because I thought for sure eventually it was going to happen. Yeah. You know, funny you should mention that because I had that conversation with my son. Of course, he's eight and um in second grade. And I, I said, look, hey, you know, if you hear the word gun, which uh, my son's really, he doesn't keep that on his mind. You know, I mean, he's more about racing. He loves racing and all that. So he talks about that all the time. Because redneck. <sighs> I'm loyal, Doc. Remember that. I'm loyal. I'm just going <laughs> to. If you want to call Porsche and Ferrari redneck, okay. <laughs> That's really a good point right there. Do they turn two directions or only one? If it's only one, it's redneck. No, there's. We're talking about road. Oh, they're making left. We're talking about the road. So your cars are. Let let me tell you, my son tried his best to watch the Rolex Twenty Four at Daytona. Oh, here comes another left turn. That's awesome. Yeah, I wonder what they're gonna do. Anyway, getting back to my point. What was my point? I don't know. We got. We got. Where are we going here? Anyway, uh, no. Oh, so the teacher, he, 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 you know, I told her that and I was pleasantly surprised because she said, Oh, d- can you recommend a good instructor around here? Because I'm getting my carry permit. Of course, I won't mention who she was. I, that was pleasant to hear that. Then I come to find out. Now I knew last year's teacher and his kindergarten teacher were the same way. And, and, you know, this a lot of hunting and all up there, but the, the, I, I don't, I did mention a while back the school that my son goes to, they had a lockdown. Uh, this was last year. <clears throat> Actually, no, it was this year, but it was at the beginning of the year. They had a lockdown where, um, uh, one of the, uh, parents, uh, evidently was in the principal's office with, I assume with him and, uh, probably a representative, uh, from the school, uh, district from the, from the county. And probably a lawyer <laughs> or a a group of lawyers or something. And, of course, the Child Protective Services Agency. I won't get into what the situation was, but they were informing her that they were taking the child from her. She lost her mind and uh, went and, as she was leaving, said she's going to get guns. I'm paraphrasing. And she's going to kill people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. And so she, she left and uh, she went and got guns. And she was headed back, and she was intercepted by a local police officer. Uh, but, you know, the point being, I think the teachers that scared them, and they were like, hold it. There's nothing we can do. Well, you know, the problem is in school in North Carolina, I mentioned earlier that uh, Grassroots North Carolina was instrumental in, in trying to uh, get it to where we can actually carry on, on school grounds now. Uh, they, they still can't take the gun inside with them. They, they have to leave it in the car. It doesn't have to be locked in a container, but like in the glove box with the car, you know, locked. Uh, so, you know, you could run out to get it in your car, but hey, what do you know was happening there too? But my, my point is, I think they, they, it was ticking. They were understanding it, but it was very pleasant to hear 
that be the case. <clears throat> and of course, immediately my mind starts racing. I'm thinking about the other children in his class and, and what I just brought up that, uh, Paul, you mentioned, uh, described, uh, greatly. Uh, you know, what about the children that he's with? You know, they come over and I got to make sure I'm, I'm spot on with what I do as a responsible parent each and every time because you have no idea. And of course, as y'all mentioned, the stigma that's attached to it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I can just see it. I think it happened with my brother. He was telling me one time, you know, they came over and saying, Oh, we, where y'all been? Well, we went shooting. It's like, the, the, the kid got quiet. My, my nephew's brother got, I mean, uh, friend got quiet and it was almost like, okay, I gotta go, <laughs> you know, cause they didn't understand that it was, it's okay. It's okay to do that. You just got to do it right. Well, and, and so, now more than ever, there's been a lot more, um, media attention and a lot more advocating for mothers to ask other mothers before they allow their kids to come over, do you have guns in the house? Mm -hmm. And that's a point of really big contention right now is because there are some moms and parents in general who think that that's absolutely none of your business, which, okay, it's not. But at the same time, it's a concern. Mm -hmm. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. So um, people are starting to ask before they let their kids come over. Right. Well, and, and, you know, that's an excellent point because even being, you know, in the gun arena as we are, as I am, you know, if my son goes to another house and comes back and says, oh, yeah, they shoot, they got guns. I mean, my first thought is, oh, that's great. Maybe I'll ask them to go shoot with us sometime. Then I would be like, wait a second. Are they responsible about it? Are, is, exactly. Yeah. Is, is this person's, this child's parents, did he, did my son say that because he saw one laying on the table? Or did he, you know, what, what was the premise? How did that happen? What was it? Yeah, you know, well, and that's really interesting is because when that same study that I was reading where they said 80% of the gun accidents that involve um, kids under 14 years of age, between the ages of two and four years old, the gunshot wounds were mostly self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. But between the ages of 10 and 14 years old, they were mostly inflicted by others. Yeah. When friends found guns, like you said, unsecured guns that, yeah, maybe your son knows better, but theirs doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, my brother, he's got three kids. The oldest one is six, will be 16 soon. Youngest one is, uh, oh, law, I know this, uh, what, 12. And uh, <clears throat> when they come, they've been in this house a million times. And, uh, you know, they come in to see my son and they're going to do some things outside or inside or whatever. Uh, they walk in and children, and this goes back to what Paul's saying, children, first off, are and, and Melody, of course, are very inquisitive. And if you've never watched a child come into a new home or you don't have children, do like Grant, buy a cat. Bring the cat into the house for the first time. Watch what that cat does. That cat goes to every corner, looks under every single piece of furniture, uh, climbs up on everything, looks behind everything. And, and that's what these kids do. They, they are, they want to know what's happening at your house. They want to know the things you have. They want to know what's going on. So if you think you've got one hidden, kind of hidden, then don't count on it because it's going to oh, be found. And the same thing is for your own body. I was, I was carrying a gun. Well, I'll carry a gun all the time, but I carried to a, a friend of ours who she's from England. And so she's kind of very anti gun. And so whenever I'm around her, I make sure that I am concealing very well. Well, I went to her house for a play date and her daughter 
was looking me up and down and she was like, what's that? What's that? And I'm going, what, what? I don't see nothing. You know, I'm trying to totally play it off. And she's just kind of, and I don't even remember. It was like the bottom of my holster just wrote up a tiny bit while I was throwing a ball. And she's like, what's that? What's, and she would not let it go. And she's a four-year-old little girl. And I'm like, oh, let's play with this balloon here. And thankfully I got her distracted enough, but it was, it, it just goes to show you that kids Pick up on everything. And you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. When they come, when we have any kids, I don't care if they're even coming from a pro-gun home that they're getting taught the exact same rules we are. And we lock, I mean, we pretty much the rule in our house is if it's not on our body, it's locked up. Right. And so we have a couple safes around the house that uh, if kids are over, even if they come over unexpectedly, I just kind of excuse myself just a second. I go around the house and just double check. I open the safes. I, I, you know, do a quick count. Okay, everything's there. I got my gun on me. We're good because I cannot. T- I would never forgive myself if yeah. all of a sudden I heard that noise and some, even if it was just into the wall. Yeah. That's 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 something I don't even want to think about. A no, possibility. No, no, no. Absolutely. Well, now you know we've we've talked about you know the safety of of the children and and, and recognizing how smart and truly inquisitive they are. So, you know, you mentioned that you have your child shooting. And so how do you get started doing that without it, you know, being such a dramatic <laughs> event, I guess? Well, we had our son actually had his first gun before he was born. Uh, we we bought a little Browning, a takedown 22 Browning. And we started out, my husband has been the IDPA match director up here for, I think, two, three years now. And so um, we would start taking our oldest to what he calls the target park. And uh, he'd go up there on days when for setup. And then after setup, all the people who came, you know, some of them stay and shoot for a little bit. And he'd be back playing in the dirt or something with my husband and he'd be able to be around people shooting and that kind of showed him that it's not scary uh then eventually later on when i think he was four or five my husband actually took the gun up with him and showed him the parts went over the safety and then let him shoot a couple times and of course it's a big long rifle so in 22. So it it was a very pleasurable experience for him. He thought it was really fun. He got to do what daddy does, which is shoot guns. And, um, he's graduated all the way up to exploding pumpkins with Terranite with an AR 15. So (laughs) he's a, he's a very happy little boy when it comes to shooting. He hasn't shot any handguns yet, but he really, he really likes the, the long guns. Right. Very good. Well, Paul, do you, what about yourself? Yeah, you know, the the kids, um, I wait for them to be excited about shooting before they start shooting. Hmm. My oldest daughter is uh, a little bit more excited than my youngest and probably a little bit more ready to to handle a firearm. And basically, you know, we belong to a gun club where we're able to camp and spend some time. So, you know, in the summertime, especially we head out as a family and spend the weekend out at the club or, you know, since, since our lifestyle is pretty awesome, we spend, you know, Wednesday and Thursday out of the club when nobody else is there and the kids play and dad goes and shoot a little bit and, and the kids play and mom goes and shoots a little bit. And then one of the daughters says, Hey, I'd like to shoot. Okay, great. And, and we head out to shoot. They both got, uh, 
several 22 caliber firearms and and then they're welcome to shoot anything they'd like to shoot whatever they're interested in but before we do any shooting we talk about safety we talk about the consequences of using firearms do they really grasp it and understand those consequences right now no they don't understand what what death is they don't understand what what serious injury is but we talk about those things and we start to head in that direction and we work to make it as fun as we can um, my, my poor daughter, I thought shooting balloons was a good idea when she was three and a half, three years old. <laughs> Apparently balloons are pretty precious things, <laughs> but after the she evil, popped six, evil, you yeah. killed the yeah, right, exactly right. <laughs> after she popped six or seven balloons and I blew up eight or 10 more, she realized, oh, wow, there's more where this comes from. And so we can have a good time. And she absolutely loved, you know, using her Smith and Wesson AR 22 to just tear balloons to pieces all day long. And so, you know, that's the kind of stuff we do. And, uh, you know, again, what needs to be the focus? First of all, safety. And second of all, having a good time so that she's going to become someone that loves shooting and is an ambassador for the shooting sports in the Second Amendment, you know, when she's 96 years old. So yeah. that's, that's what our goal is. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Well, and I think what Paul said about safety, in taking that a step further, I know we all heard about the nine-year-old who shot the instructor in the head with the Uzi. Oh, yeah. You know, he was right there. When it comes to those little kids, you have to basically have hands-on gun the entire time. Because no matter how many times you drill into them, safe direction, safe direction, finger off trigger, you know, it, they're, they're kids. And all it takes is that one time when they spin around, it, it doesn't matter. If, you, if you're in that environment and they're young and they're not understanding or it's a gun that they're unfamiliar with, whatever, I don't care. You need to have gun, hands on gun yeah. and be proactive about that safety aspect. What, what a great segue to my next thought, because my next thought was going to be, how do you get good training for your children? I mean, like here, as they're getting to be a certain age, like Paul's saying, you know, of course, he's a, and Melody, both of you obviously would train your children. I mean, you know, but uh, what is it that people would look for? Because you, you, you've got this circumstance that you just mentioned with, uh, you know, they, this little girl, uh, they were going to go out, have fun. Of course, it was what was it? Fully automatic weapon. It uh, was. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and, and one probably that was relatively hard to handle, um, uh, you know, not a long gun. It was what, a Uzi or something to that nature? Yeah, it was an Uzi. I was 12 when I shot my first Uzi and I was, I think of that now and I think that was very irresponsible of mm-hmm. the individuals to let me shoot that because I couldn't control it. I had no idea. Right, right. So, Yes. So I'm thinking a nine-year-old with full auto is bad, 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 bad idea. Well, okay. So what about, are there specific places to go to be able to get some type of safety training other than just, you know, uh, like the average parent uh, that has firearms? They're they're obviously, hey, they're hearing what we're saying. They're telling their children, you know, the, the gun safety rules. They're explaining things. They're locking their firearms up. Do, is there somebody do you know of that that they where they could go and and actually get the child to be able to get uh, some type of training for safety as well as shooting? Well, I guess come to Central Iowa Defensive Training. Now, um, <laughs> I have not heard of anyone who specializes in that. What about you, Paul? Yeah, no, that's a really good question, Doc. And and other than you know, just like Melody said, look for a parent. 
yeah. that is a firearms instructor that you trust responsibly. Um, I, I think that if we, if we looked at it this way, let's say you wanted your 10 year old to be able to skydive. What is it that you would do to vet the company that was going to teach your 10-year-old child how to skydive? Yeah, well said. Maybe you would take some courses. Maybe you would spend some spend some time researching, doing uh, you know some some Google foo. Maybe you would even you know choose to go and jump yourself first as an adult that has the ability to critically think about. Is safety being thought about in the way it needs to be thought about for my child that may not have the capacity to think about all these things? And then we have to ask ourselves as a parent, if my child doesn't have the capacity to think about safety in this this way, am I going to trust this adult to think about it for them? Right. Or this group of adults? And then we have to base our choice on those those uh, assumptions, those assessments that we make. You know, when I, when I look at the situation in Arizona, the Uzi, the nine-year-old girl, the instructor that was killed in that situation, there was a whole series of mistakes that was made. And it begins with ignorance, not just on the part of the child. It's not her fault. You know, She shouldn't be expected to be responsible for that. It was a, a fault of the company that was running things, the fault of the parents that was matching the child up with the instructor. We have to think about all those kinds of things because the consequences here are very severe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Okay. So <clears throat> child has made the decision they want to shoot. You're good with it. We've done everything we've talked about. We've gotten to the point where they're going to shoot their first time. What do you let them shoot? I mean, do you get the 454 console out? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Let's let's just go right for the forty four Magnum. Let's not stop. Forty five Super, four sixty round. Uh, you know, we'll go that direction. Only if you never want them to shoot again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you want to scare them? Well, here in Iowa, it's a little bit easier of a decision because by Iowa law, a child is not supposed to have a handgun or touch a handgun before the age of fourteen years old. Mm, wow. So whether or not that's actually enforced, I don't know, and we're not going to risk it. So we we obviously decided to start with the takedown, the Browning takedown twenty two, which is of course a long gun. That's interesting <laughs> that there are some actual uh, laws about age. Um, it's always it's something you have to be careful of with age because you know, as I mentioned, I've got two different children, two different ages. You know, one was ready to rock and roll at three years old, and another one, when they were four, probably not quite ready. So we have to look at the differences between children, physical stature, maturity, et cetera. Um, you know, I think that the most important thing to look at is the idea that the child has some kind of understanding about what they're about to experience. Um, my oldest daughter that, you know, enjoys shooting a little bit more than the youngest, she started out with a twenty-two. And on her first day of shooting, you know, she had made the decision that she wanted to shoot my nine millimeter handgun. And now understand, we're talking about hands that are too small to physically hold and operate the gun. So Mm -hmm. dad's hands are on the firearm at the same time. But she wanted to feel the recoil. I mean, she was interested in that. She wanted to know what it was like. I gave her an opportunity to see it. I gave her an opportunity to reconsider her thought and, hey, don't worry, we can come back to the range any day and do this if you don't want to do it now. Nope, I want to do it now. Okay. And so we fired multiple rounds and she thought it was just the greatest thing ever. And so it really comes down to 
evaluating your child and what is it that they want to do, not what you want to do. It's not about you. It's about your child. What do they want to do? What are they capable of doing? How can you help them achieve their goals and go from there? Mm -hmm. Well, I totally agree with Paul on that. That's that's a huge thing. But also evaluating, uh, I guess, motives too. I've had, I worked in a gun range as well, and I had a father who was bringing in his son. I think his son was 13 years old. And he came in earlier and told all the staff, I I do not want any of you guys to refer to this gun as our gun. According to us, we have rented this gun because I don't even want my son to know we own a gun because he is being, he's irresponsible. And I don't trust that he will not try to do something stupid with this gun. I mean, God bless the the dad for knowing his son well enough mm. to 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 put those things in place. Uh, so he got his son several trainings, and his son, when when he was on the range, he was very respectful. He he went through all the safety things, but I think that's great that the dad was trying to build a safety net of. Hiding, I, I guess, I, maybe not hiding it because I wouldn't recommend necessarily hiding it. But he was doing the best he could to meet his son's level of responsibility. You know what I mean? Does that yeah. make sense? Oh yeah, he's bringing it to his level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. he didn't want to do something. You know, he didn't want to make it available to his son when he didn't feel like he was ready for it. And I think for my daughter, you know, my daughter's three. And she loves guns. I mean, she is just everything is a gun. I think she's more excited about guns than my my son is. I don't think she's ready for shooting just yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, she would probably of my three kids, she's the one I'm most worried about as far as doing something stupid with a gun. And so, whether or not we'll probably take her this summer and start kind of introducing her to maybe some long guns or something, but. She's the one who makes me the most nervous. <laughs> oh man, she's a wild thing. <laughs> I've got a I've got a question for you, Melody. Uh, coolest thing one of your kids has said about shooting or guns? Oh, it's a, kind of a tough question. That is a tough question because they're so excited. Um, yeah. y- you know, I, when we were shooting, we were shooting. Uh, we had a pumpkin shoot, and we did we did Terranite in the in the pumpkins, and uh, my son. He was just thrilled. I blowed up pumpkins. I blowed up. And he would get teary-eyed when he couldn't blow up another pumpkin. Uh, so I think that was probably one of the funnest was him just running around. I blowed up. I blowed up pumpkins. That's fun. That's fun. I was thrilled this uh, past Christmas. I've got a daughter. My youngest has a birthday right before Christmas. So I took my oldest daughter shopping for a new twenty-two for my youngest daughter. And she looked up at the rack and she said uh, – yeah, she'd like that pink one. But dad, just understand, I think a gun should be wood. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, awesome. isn't that awesome, right? She must and listen to the show. She then said, and it should probably have a lever as well, dad. That's so. what I'm talking about. <laughs> the poor child Bring is her obviously brain damaged. Right. <laughs> Bring in her up right. She's going to be riding the short bus. I'm like yeah. it. So one daughter got a pink 22 for Christmas and the other got a wood 22 for, excuse me, pink for birthday and, and wood for Christmas. Nice. It was, it was a fun time for dad, for sure. <laughs> well, my daughter has already claimed all guns that she sees as hers. 
every single one. If she sees a gun, is that mine? That's my gun. It's like my no, wife does that. That's that's mommy's gun. Is that mommy's? <laughs> no, that's my gun. So she she thinks that everything is is hers, and therefore she can. And then the next question is, can I play with it? Can I play? No, you may not. <laughs> and but both mom, of those are awesome clues, right? Oh yeah, exactly. And that's. That's another thing I harp on too. If your kids can unlock your cell phone, they can unlock your safe. Keep your passcodes away from your kids. Oh, speaking of which, uh, we didn't really talk. You you did mention that uh, you know you had multiple areas that you could lock up your firearm that you <laughs> yeah. carry. Uh, wise decision. Um, you strategically place them. What are some storage issues? Briefly, uh, since we're starting to run out of time, but uh, some some storage. Uh, I guess, uh, recommendations that you would have. Cause you know, a lot of time, is it just enough to unload your firearm and use a safety lock? Do we need to have a safe? Do we need to have a big safe? Do we need, where do we need to put this for children? And, you know, as far as the family goes and to make it the well, best area. Like I said, I think the absolute best is on body next to that. But of course we can't, you know, take showers. Well, some, some of us do with our guns and, <laughs> We can't sleep with them on, so I love the the quick access. They now have, I think Hornady has one, and the gun box, these RFID yeah. quick access ones, I think those are an amazing invention. Uh, I don't have one. It's on my, it's on my Christmas list to get the gun box. Um, I know a couple people who have them and just absolutely love them because you can have an RFID bracelet or key tag or something. You swipe it over top there. The, uh, I've tried the, the fingerprint ones, but I've got these weird, weird hands that nothing reads my fingerprints. Nothing. So, um, I always have to do the keypad ones. We have a kind of a keypad quick access safe. And, um, we kind of use that most of all. And that's just for when, you know, you're doing those things like sleeping, showering, things where you can't have your gun on body. Other than that, it's on body. Awesome. Yeah. I like some of those electronic ones too, because they can tell you if they've been tampered with. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and actually that's interesting because yeah. I have had several times my, um, ours, if you move it, or if you enter in the wrong keypad, it, it starts alarming. Uh -huh. Several times I have heard that alarm going off and I will go in there and it's my daughter is sitting in front of there with this big grin on her face like, well, you caught me, mom. <laughs> so, And that's that's right. when I use OC spray. Just a quick little. <laughs> yeah. And they're I do that less for the cats likely around to the come house. back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't have cats. I'm a huge fan of the Hornady safe, the RFID safe. Um, you know, if my gun's not on me, my mm -hmm. car keys probably are. And I've got that little tab on the keys and that's what opens the safe. Um, I don't open the, the safe when the kids are in the area. So they don't know how it opens. So even if they found the keys, they would not have the correlation at this point in time, you know, to put the two together. Are you um, underestimating your children? Um, you know, there's always that possibility, but you know what, if I need to, if I'm getting dressed in the morning and my kids are mm -hmm. hanging around and I need to get my gun out of the safe, they understand that they have to go yeah. at this point in time when dad's got his belt on, he's got his holster on, see you later. So am I underestimated or not? Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question, but my keys are in my possession. So 
Mm-hmm. I hope I'm not. It's a, it's well, a good point. You made a really, really good point, though. I have a kind of a rule that if I am, pl- I don't want to say playing with my gun, but if I'm handling my gun, either putting it on, taking it off, I don't want my kids around. Because over and over and over again, you hear about these stories of, you know, dad puts the gun on the bed for two seconds while he's putting on his shirt and little Johnny grabs the gun and shoots himself with it. I, you know, kids are a distraction and kids are fast and you you drop your cell phone, you reach down to pick it up, you stand up and there's little Johnny with the gun. If you're, if, if you're in that transition period where you're handling your firearm, whether you're putting it on or, or taking it off, get your kids out of the room. And that was a, a perfect point that you made there, Paul. Why, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so he's good for something. <laughs> you should keep him. Yeah, I don't know. Comic relief <laughs> yeah, and the definitely. perfect point every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> like the Calvin Klein. I wonder you if like anybody really got lot. that. That was really good. I have to I say. went back and I listened to it again. I, I like I saw your email and I said to my wife, Hey, let's listen to this. It was pretty awesome, apparently. Yeah. Doc liked it. It was good. Thanks, buddy. It was right in there. I you know. Being of the chemistry minded, I just <laughs> I caught it immediately. Um very good. But anything we've missed here? Do y'all want to comment uh before we close shop here? Or we can I'm talk sure for another a- ninety minutes, you yeah. know. <laughs> Uh, so no, I'll take that as a no. <laughs> I'll email you tomorrow and be like, oh, I totally forgot. We should have talked about this. Well, we can do that again sometime. Maybe oh, even okay. whatever you come up with, talk about Child it as a full topic. Two. Yeah. Grant, uh, Ian, you guys, you know, I've got to say, this is probably the longest Grant's been on the show that he really had that much to talk about. <laughs> And then Ian, what? Ian usually cl- chimes in there with a, a an old gun reference. <laughs> Figured he'd come in and say, "Oh yeah, I got nothing. My uh, my child uh, safety techniques are all based on not having children in the house." Uh, that's a great yeah, safety. One. Pretty I'll much tell you what: if, if I walk too. into the house and there's children there, something is seriously wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured I, you'd I have a recommendation you. for a first first shooter for a child. Yeah, I got nothing. Some sort of twenty-two. My my father had the the perfect way to uh, assure that the kids would be safe around guns, and that in our house, I grew up on a farm, and in our house, uh, the firearms were never ever under any circumstances a, a an item of recreation. They were tools that we used around the farm. And believe me, the last thing kids want to do is play with tools. Oh yeah. You know, cause it means work. So the guns were work. No, we don't want to do deal with that. That makes sense. That's, that's such that's an interesting, interesting yeah, it's an interesting point, Grant, because in, you know, 2015, we look at shooting as one of the, you know, primary recreation sources for folks that are gun people. Mm-hmm. And so, that is is a big change, and and maybe that's some of the reason there's a challenge. You know, folks that were brought up in gun households were brought up as hey, this is a tool, and now this is a a form of enjoyment. And I that's had to think about that yeah. a lot growing because when I grew up, I knew where all the guns were in our house. There was one under my mom and dad's bed. There was one in the closet. There was one in my. I, I knew where they all were, and I I had access to them probably too much access to them. And when I was 10 years old, my dad set us down with a revolver and said, if someone tries to get in the house, here's a revolver. This is, it's loaded, point and keep shooting. 
Uh, that was literally my safety. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So we knew the concept of you use these if someone's trying to break into your house and it's in this drawer and we're not supposed to touch it otherwise. But we didn't get any instruction on the rest of it. And I, I grew up and, of course, I made it out of that house alive. And it's really easy for people who grew up in, quote, unquote, gun homes like that to think, well, it worked for my for me growing up. Therefore, it's going to work for my kids growing up. But like you said, there's now a recreational aspect. And I think these days there's a lot more debate about the position of guns in the home, if that makes sense, you know, whether uh -huh. they're good, whether they're bad. And therefore, it makes it a point of curiosity that kids want to check out, yep. which can be dangerous. Sure can. My home was really the same melody in the in the stance that you know, well, Walter Mondale for president. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't grow up in a gun home, so I had to figure this all out on my own. So it was it was a fun time. <laughs> Walter, all right, <laughs> it was that oh, bad, man. huh? Just like I don't know, it's dead stop. And of course, you know, um, dead stop. Ian was who's that? <laughs> Walter who? <laughs> Just before he was born, I'm sure. So. That was the news anchor guy, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Holy smoke. All right, folks, let's wrap this up. Uh, we went uh, longer than we were going to. <laughs> we did it. No we way. Did Shocking. We did it anyway. Um, but, uh, well, good discussion. Uh, you know, if you got any comments or, you know, want to tell us a little bit about your experience, uh, feel free to email us. Or you can go to uh, the webpage there and click on the voicemail link and uh, leave voicemail for us. We appreciate that. Um, I wish that Joe would have been here because he has two children that are now, you know, going out of the house. And uh, one's out of the house and married. The other one is is uh, graduated, graduating, graduated, and uh, is is uh, or is a senior this year and will be uh going into the world on their their own as adults at this point and so he could have you know lent a uh good conversation coming from someone who's been through the entire time uh which none of us have here but uh so we hate we hate he wasn't here to to join in on this but uh all right folks well, let's wrap it up i appreciate it and uh thought everything was really good hope we didn't miss much um uh, thanks a lot we'll catch y'all next go around all right, everybody. Have a good night. See you, folks. Ian. Bye. <laughs> well, <laughs> bye. <laughs>that's going to do it for this episode of the gun nation thank you for listening to the program please pay a visit to our webpage at gunnation.us for all things gun nation until the next episode stay armed stay polite Cause they are so awesome No walls, no walls Swimming in the ocean Pretty big and pretty wide It beat a polar bear in a fight Like an underwater unicorn They've got a kick out facial harm They're the Jedi of the sea They stop Kafula waiting <laughs>
causing a commotion Cause they are so awesome Narwhals, narwhals Swimming in the ocean Pretty big and pretty wide They beat a polar bear in a fight Like an underwater unicorn They've got a kick-ass facial harm They're the Jedi of the sea They stop Kafula waiting Narwhals, they are narwhals Narwhals Just a touch your balls Narwhals, they are narwhals Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.